Again, a repetition of Tera, as was Vayakil. And the question, of course, is to repeat. If you're going to repeat a Pasuk, you're going to repeat a three Pasukim. It's going to be counted in the Tera. Everything is word. Every word is always accounted for. Haitachin in that case, that not just a word or a paragraph or a pasuk, but an entire parsha again that is added into the Taylor. Where's my flower? No, I'm missing my flower. This is not fair. I can't hear you. You have to understand that. I got you off on the thing here. What? Where's my flower over there? Okay. The Torah tells us a very interesting story that is repeated in the Torah. Story of Eliezer. The Shidduch, as he sent out as a messenger to have a, make a Shidduch for his master's son. And the Torah repeats the story a second time to tell us the Hashivas, the importance, the value. Oh, in that case, I sent her a foolish shalema. Tell her she should feel better. Meira Bas Regina. Okay. And the Torah tells us the importance, the chashivas of the stories of tzaddikim, of the avos, and therefore the Torah repeats again the story. The building of the Mishkan was for forgiving for a terrible, terrible sin. The sin that we spoke about already a few weeks ago, the sin of Cheta Egel. If a person sins, if a person, Rahman al is, is exposed, shall we say, to elements outside of the world and going and traveling and meeting up with different people and having different child's tribulations, not finding food to eat, kosher, and not being able to find proper environment, not being able to dive with a million three times a day, not going to mikveh every morning. And eventually the person, Rahman al-Hassan, fades and fades and fades into the woodwork and loses it, as we say. And Rahman al-Hassan goes off the Jewish path. We can't understand it, we don't accept it necessarily, but it could happen. We can understand that... Such things can happen. But in a case where you're talking about people that just received the Torah, 
just got the Torah from Har Sinai. And getting the Torah, your phone, to get the Torah from Har Sinai, violent, and immediately thereafter, hearing from God, from the voice of God, all that they heard, and immediately thereafter to sin the Chet Egel, mind-boggling. Absolutely mind-boggling. This, therefore, is a sin that had to be paid for and paid for and paid for for many years. What is the tshuva for the Chet Egel? Tshuva for the Chet Egel was the building of the Mishkan. It was so important to Hashem that the Jews be forgiven, it was so important for Hashem that the Jews continue and are saved, that this story, the building of the Mishkan, is repeated a second time in the Torah. Wait, we have an issue here with Skype. Alright, good old Skype. Please hold. Chazak. Chazak, Chazak, when it's Chazak, we complete now the entire Chumash Shemais. Chumash Shemais, the Pasha that spoke about, this Chumash that spoke about the exile of Golas, the Eden going down to Mitzrayim, and the Eden suffering in Mitzrayim, the miracles the Eden have leaving Mitzrayim, Kriyas Yamsuf, and we take a look how would such a glorious book, such a glorious Sefer, finish? On what Pasuk would we sing out the words Chazak, Chazak, Venis Chazak, Ki Anan Hashem Alamishkan Yemam that the cloud of God was on the Mishkan by day, the Eishtir Laila Boy, and the fire was at night for it, for the eyes of the Jews on all their encampments. Why is night, the concept of night, of darkness, of morbidity of darkness, mentioned as a completion to such a wonderful, beautiful story? Such a beautiful compilation of Chumash Shemais. So many beautiful things happened. There's a klal. We have to always connect. Because there is a connection. And because Torah tells us Torah tells us that this is what existence of Torah is all about, that there's no such thing as something that ends, or something that has a private beginning, but rather, how it ends, it begins, how it begins, it ends, there has to be always intertwined. The end of the post, the end of the post, the Chumash, the Chazak, talks about the Anan of fire, the cloud of fire, the Ebishter, and the darkness 
the darkness of the Jews, of the exile, the darkness which ultimately is illuminated throughout what is brought in the, throughout the Torah, without, throughout the book of, of Shemais. And this is, we see in the story, in the happening of this Parsha, the happening of this Parsha was a very, very interesting repetition of the Mishkan. But even more so, a very interesting happening in this Parsha is Moshe Rabbeinu is presented with the Mishkan. I think he died. The whole computer just froze. Skype died. And the Mishkan, after he started building, and the Mishkan was presented, was brought to Moshe as it was constructed and everything was put together. But they couldn't stand it up. We've told the story many times of the voyage flight. They had a voyage flight for a plane, a one-of-a-kind plane. What was the one-of-a-kind plane? It had six stories. They have planes that are big, they have first class, business class. This plane had six stories. In the six stories you had sleeping accommodations, you had gymnasiums and workout rooms, they had a swimming pool on another floor, they had a, re- a, a whole slew of restaurants on a th- another floor. Each floor represented something. It was a tremendous, phenomenal thing. More than that, it sat 1,600 people. Such a plane. The voyage flight, the first major flight of this wonderful plane was about to take off. And the pilot comes to the front of the massive hall that's supposed to represent the cabin where the passengers are sitting. And he says, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome you. Everyone, please enjoy the champagne that we're giving everybody. Welcoming you on the flight of this phenomenal, phenomenal plane. And he starts to describe everything that's on the plane and the way it goes and where it's standing, where everything is. And the plane, he says, in essence, is holding approximately 30,000 gallons of fuel, or 300,000 gallons of fuel, to take the plane on this trip across the United States. Tremendous. The people are clapping and applauding the pilot. He says, finally, ladies and gentlemen, this is not exactly a... uh, a contest, I'm not asking a question for a lottery, but I'd like to ask one question, if anybody could do me a favor and be so kind as to tell me how do we get this thing off the ground? This was the question that didn't had. They constructed this magnificent edifice called the Mishkan and the walls were made of these heavy, heavy beams and the beams were joined by this <laughs> they couldn't stand the thing up. It was too heavy. So they bring it before Moshe and they say, Moshe, do us a favor. Can you figure out how to get this thing up? Moshe turns to the Avisha and says, What do we do? How do I get this thing off the ground? And the Avisha says, Moshe, 
Don't make yourself foolish. One more time, because people are on and going off. Designing one more time. Masachishnara, she says, put your hand to it. Just put your hand to it, and everything will be fine. And Moshe does just that. He leans over, he reaches out, touches the Mishkan as if he's lifting it up, and everything stood up and erected itself. Magnificent, beautiful. Rashi explains it so beautifully, so eloquently. We find similarly in the beginning of Shemais. Moshe, again, the character in story, baby Moshe is put in his little bassinet made of tar and whatever else. And baby Moshe is floating in the, in the Nilus at that little age, at the young age. You see, that's when you worry about today's youth, or you worry about the youth of the 60s. Didn't happen. It started already then. This little infant of six months old was already in denial. And that went over right over his head. It was fine. Um, he was floating in denial. And Batya came to be Megaya, as Medra says. Pare's daughter decided she wanted to convert. And she was by the river to come to Teval to do mikveh. And she saw the bassinet, and she wanted the bassinet, she wanted to save the child, but she couldn't reach it. It was so deep in the water. But she tried, and she wanted to, and her hand says, her hand stretched, and she brought in the baby. So again we see a person who asserted themselves to a certain kayak and managed to pull out. Chavzai and other has almost that same message. I spent the last, I'd say, 72 hours asking Chassidim, fellow Chassidim, interpret Chavzai and other to me. Can you please interpret Chavzai and other? Some of them told me where to get off. Some of them gave me just a regular forwarding address. And some said, don't bother me. What do you you want me to tell you? What does Chavzai and other mean to you? First of all, thank you, Mashka. Okay. Tafshin Lamed Ches. Simchus As we discussed already on the Shkedish Kislev, the Rebbe suffered a major heart attack. Suffering that major heart attack, Chassidim were totally beyond themselves. What happens next? Or what is happening? In essence, the Rebbe's heart stopped that night for quite a while. The doctors were begging the mosquitoes to go down and prepare the Chassidim for the worst. Because they knew Chassidim were dangerous. Especially such a thing. At the end of the whole story, the whole episode... The doctor said, if you could notify the Chassidim and tell them how severe that issue was and how great this miracle was, there would not be enough mashke in the United States of America to, to, to contain the celebration. 
It was a form of Tchisa Mason, as far as the doctors were concerned. Never mind anything else, the doctors were more amazed than anybody else. One of the doctors said in all his years of practicing medicine and medical school, he never learned so much like he learned the few weeks that he was serving the Rebbe, that he was treating the Rebbe. Ultimately, the Rebbe took on to do the most strenuous acts of all, which is talking. And the Rebbe spoke by Fabrenians one after the other after the other. But one such Fabrenian, one of the doctors that was treating the Rebbe was there. And they sat up, up front next to the Rebbe. The Rebbe spoke, not for five minutes, the Rebbe spoke for, for quite a while, and then there would be a little intermission of Nigan, and the Rebbe would speak again. Again for quite a while. These Fabrengans could go on for five, six hours. The doctor was concerned. And it was during an intermission, the Chassidim was singing, and the Rebbe was answering the Chaim, the Chaim Levracha. The doctor leaned over and said, Rebbe, maybe you should shorten your sikhas. <coughs> Because it's very strenuous to talk so long. Speak a little, I mean, don't talk so fired up. You have to remember that you pretty much saved your life, but your 35% is going to, God forbid, still happen again. Because the Chassidim was singing, and the Rebbe being 75 years of age, the Rebbe made as if he didn't hear what the doctor said. The doctor was concerned about the Rebbe's well-being, and the doctor repeated it a second time. Rebbe, you have to be more careful with what you're doing. There's still a 35% chance of repetition of a heart attack. Again, the Rebbe gave no reaction. When finally the doctor said it a third time, he grabbed the Rebbe's hand to let to make sure the Rebbe hears him. And he says, Rebbe, do you hear what I'm saying? And the Rebbe turns to him. And said, I heard what you said. You said there's a 65% chance it's not going to happen again. <laughs> After Fabrengen, the Rebbe called in Mosquitos, called in one of the Mosquitos and said, please make sure this doctor is off my list. I don't want him treating me because his optimism is totally out of picture. And to treat a patient, you have to be optimistic. Pessimism does not work. The mental footafas if you want to know what, pardon the, the, the language, you want to know what hell on earth means. Mendel Futafas went through hell on earth. Siberia, the concentration, work camps, everything. Mendel Futafas survived. And Mendel Futafas was known as a very colorful character. Had a phenomenal sense of humor. And he once was asked, how do you keep this demeanor? My brother is making a l'chaim tonight. By my wedding, my brother, Mendel Futafas is at the wedding. He had bracha And my brother, the meal, called over at Mendel. Excuse me, my brother was walking by at Mendel. And Mendel called him over and said... He walked over to Mendel, sorry. He said, Mendel, I should have Maybe a little Fabrengen again. It's well as you to me. It's hard to tell a story. 
said Mendel said to him oh, he called him he called him my brother this is Baruch he says Baruch so my brother said, I should tell you a story. You're the Mashpia. You tell me the story. So Mendel said, oh, i got to have to disconnect everybody again because we got a call. We have a call coming in. And this call coming in doesn't work unless I can call out. Sorry, folks. Let me call everybody out. Uh, this is, okay. And Mendel called him. He says, okay, Vezos. That's correct. Sit down. And he called up a second bach and a third bach like this until the table was full. And then Mendel, every time, every time he asked somebody else to tell a story, they said, you tell the story. He says, right, everybody wants me to tell the story, I'll tell you a story, comes down. A phenomenal sense of humor. So when they asked him where he gets his demeanor from, how he keeps such a faith, I recalled for one guy who called me in the middle, and then he didn't pick up now. Too confusing. He told the story. One of the famous professions of the time of days of yore was a balagola, a horse driver, wagon driver. There was a young man who wanted to get into the uh, union. They had a union. Believe me, they didn't mess with the union. It's like messing today with the taxi union, I guess. And um, so he's calling me instead. Okay, let me try it again. You didn't answer. You didn't answer what I said to you. So I don't know if you're available or you're not available. I'm going to now recall the whole group so that you can join, answer when the group is called. So please, I'm disconnecting for a second. Uh, it's getting more and more exciting. This there were five. Now there's I don't know where everybody is. I don't know what happened to everybody. Man. It goes up. It goes down. Here it is. I'll just call them at home. Okay. Maybe you're not sure. I know. Yeah. He's, his call failed. Makes me crazy. No, not me, it is. Now he's off. Okay. The kids of the young father wanted to break into the union, and he came to the older guys and he says, No, teach me, father. Teach me how to, how to ride. So the old man said, okay, come, we'll teach you. And the course was almost like a medical school. Finally, they felt he was ready to ride. They sat him down for a test. What do you do if you're going in a forest and your wheel falls off? Eh? He answered how to get off, how to fix, how to stop. Perfect. What would you do if the horse started running wild? And was going off the path. There, he told them how to pull the reins, how to straighten it. How to, beautiful. What would you do, he says, if you're riding quickly and you ended up in the middle of quicksand and you're sinking and the horse is sinking? 
a hypothetical question to say the least. So the guy looks at them and he says, what would I do if that happens? I'll tell you. I would jump off the wagon via the horse, get out of the quicksand, walk to the face of the horse and laugh. (laughs) So (laughs) they looked at him. Where did you get that answer? He says, what do you want? They said, we're not in the sport. You jump off, you have to save your life. You jump off via the, the horse, because that's a strong I understand. Why? You look the horse in the face and laugh. Is the women to cry? <laughs> cry is not going to help. This is what Mendel's shitter. Why well, he has to always be smi- happening. He has to always be happy, he has to always smile. This was not on vain. It doesn't get you anywhere. Chavzai and other threw us off. It was a curveball. Many a times, the Rebbe came to, back from the hill. The Friedrich Rebbe. The Rebbe would come back from the hill and announce that there's a Febregen. And the Rebbe would Febregen. On the most random occasions. And during Febregen, the Rebbe would say, not, it wasn't the main subject, but suddenly you'd hear the Rebbe say, They told me, I was told, I was notified, of many different things that the Rebbe received notification at the It was not a shock when people repeated that they were by the ale outside when the Rebbe was there, and they heard the Rebbe talking, not just saying my Lashon, but talking, holding conversation. And the Rebbe even said, Ha! Which was, I don't know, if you, I, don't know I can tell you, most of you probably did not experience this. My last Yechidus. One second. Aha. Okay. My last Yechidus. Can't pick up Skype, just put it on the phone. Okay. The last time I went to Yiddish, I was 16 years old. It was a Shkede Shvat. My birthday is on Teshvat. I'm not worried about too many presents because till Teshvat you've long forgotten. And. Uh uh. Uh uh. And I had, there's a certain question I asked the Rebbe, and the outcome, the result of the question, the Rebbe decided. The Rebbe said that I should drive myself. I should drive myself. And the Rebbe started unfanging the Galegen Rabbeinu Thomas. In those days, we didn't put Rabbeinu Thomas at the mitzvah. We put Rabbeinu Thomas when the Rebbe told us. Or at 18, we asked, and the Rebbe would say, Paran. There's Amfanga the Gleg and the Tams. Now, <laughs> there's certain emotions and feelings you can describe, and certain you can't. The fear factor is one of them. 
what it means. How do I? A person can almost describe pain. If the person has a good articulate uh, skill, they can describe a pain. They can describe a color. They can describe not very many, but you can describe. To describe fear, you can describe what your reaction was to the fear. Shaking in my boots. I was, sh- I was frozen to my spot. I was. You can describe what you did, but to describe what the fear. The actual emotion of fear, you can describe love easier. When you went into the Rebbe Yechidus, the awe, the entire room was enveloped with such awe, you just could not do anything but. And you put down your letter on the table, the Rebbe read your letter, the Rebbe answered, the Rebbe spoke to you, response was out of the question by most people. There were people that sat down by the Rebbe, that spoke openly with the Rebbe. A chassid didn't have that. Not Aza, not not chutzpah. Didn't have the the merits, the kayach, to be able to do that. You came in, you faced the Rebbe, you were just struck by the Rebbe. So when the Rebbe asked you a question, you had to answer it, you were in trouble. Because you were... So I, when the Rebbe said I should stop wearing a bit of time, it was a shvat, my birthday was nine days later, and I said, the Rebbe this is in nine texts, the Rebbe said, and obviously I couldn't say, I was barely able, it was barely audible, to the normal person, especially now when the Rebbe is looking down, not looking at me and not listening to me, and I was mumbling such a... So the Rebbe remained looking down, but he heard me say something, and the Rebbe said, slightly looked up and said, Huh? That was it. You had to peel me off the ceiling to get me to that. Was, I thought for sure... I, I, I still think about it till today how I didn't pass out physically from it. But the... the what went through my whole system, I, I just, everything just shut down. But the Rebbe asked, ha, I had to answer. So I said, this is test. So I said, the Rebbe was very adamant that a person have his own Rebbe Tam film before he starts. If you don't own your own, then you're apt to sometimes uh, foul up and miss a day because you don't have your own. I said, uh, take a few days to buy. At this point, I said it apparently clear. The Rebbe looked up at me with this look of love and sympathy. <laughs> Fool. I was 16 years old. What do you want? And the Rebbe said, uh, a semi smile, tomorrow. I said it already twice. Then when the Rebbe was interesting, the Rebbe did after the Yechidus, I was pretty much answered everything. The Rebbe said, "Thus was the Gezlegen Benetam's Morgen. Thus was the Gezlegen Benetam's Morgen. Morgen, the Rebbe said. This is going to put on the Benetam tomorrow. Again, reiterating the tomorrow, because in case this idiot tries to translate something, everybody's going to ask, Alon Fregen, you're not going to have a choice but to tell everybody that you were told. 
Mashenkin, the other things that the Rebbe told me, love Dafka Lefazim. And not necessarily something to be publicized. And they remained at that. The Yechidus by the Rebbe, to hear the Rebbe say, Ha! But to know that the person, people that went to the island who stood outside and heard the Rebbe say, Ha! Obviously the Rebbe was holding conversation with the Friedrich Rebbe. Do we understand how that works? We don't understand how that works. Thank God for Hollywood and the wonderful world of sci-fis and all these things. And they have no problem understanding these things. Yeah, sure. Talk to, talk to the people, talk to the dead, talk to the ring back, the people, that's not a problem. Everybody relates to these things very, very clear-mindedly. Vividly. You can see the picture. <laughs> Turn it on. Go on. Uh, go get a movie and you'll see the guy who spoke to this dead person, that dead person, clinic. The Rebbe was a soldier. The Rebbe is a soldier. We are soldiers of the Rebbe. And the Rebbe being a soldier of the Friedrich Rebbe was not just a soldier of the Friedrich Rebbe. But these conversations were held, the Rebbe heard from all the Rebbeim. The Rebbe heard from all the ancestry of the Rebbeim from the Alt Rebbe. The famous happening of the Alt Rebbe sitting in jail because of the spread of Hasidus, and was visited by the Magid and the Balshemtiv on a physical basis long after they had departed from this world. People say they were in that cell, it's humanly impossible to get three people standing in there. But the story goes that the Rebbe said physically the two of them were in the room and they discussed the Rebbe's decree, why his imprisonment, etc. And the Rebbe asked, so should I stop? They said, you started it, now you're going to continue stronger and stronger. We have no other explanation but that the Rebbe was told on Chavzai and other he may no longer communicate with the Chassidim. The Rebbe said not long before this story less than a year I've done all I can I'm now giving over the rain. Although the Rebbe spoke many sikhs thereafter, and the Rebbe spoke many things, instructions of bringing Mashiach and of involving Mashiach, at this point in time, apparently, the Rebbe's superiors took away the key. They no longer allowed the Rebbe to contact, to be in the lying force, in the leading force, of what the Rebbe was going on. You have to realize, this is not so long ago, this story. And there was no reason that the Rebbe could not be given a computer to type what he wanted to say, could have been given an olive based chart to point with his hand that he was able to move everything that he wanted to tell. The Rebbe's mind was there. People that were inside, they have their stories and have... But they asked the Rebbe many different things, including the hurricane of Florida, including this, including different things that the Rebbe was asked, and the Rebbe answered with a yes or no. 
But to give instructions on things until Yutes Kislev. On Yutes Kislev, the Rebbe sat on the porch for hours. For hours just sat there and wanted something to happen. And people were sending tzetlach. The Rebbe wanted this, the Rebbe wanted that. The Gabayim were reading the tzetlach. The Rebbe wanted this, the Rebbe wanted that. The Rebbe was, didn't, no, shaking his head, shaking his hand, no. What does the Rebbe want? The Rebbe would not say. And they tried, they being the Rebbe and all of base charge, they tried to do whatever they could to get the Rebbe to communicate. The Rebbe was told, obviously he can't, and the Rebbe didn't. What do we see? Try one time to sit in on a good conversation and not put in your two cents. Try for one, not not talking about for days on end to it. One good conversation, one good, as we used to call it, Yeshiva, a good bull session. Where there's something that's you really, you're you're a knowledgeable person of what this, this whole subject. Try to sit in on such a conversation and not interject, not give your knowledge, not show your chokhmah. Not going to happen. And if it does happen, you're going to choke Rahman al Islam. You'll sit there hyperventilating because I've got what to say in this and I'm not saying it. How many times do we do that? How many times do we sit in a conversation and say, and say, finally say, oh, I have what to say about that. But you don't say it. Very rarely. Usually you get, it's quite easy to convince you to say it. But for the Rebbe, to be restricted in such a way, right after the Rebbe had the heart attack, Shabbos, Matzah Shabbos Bereshis, the Rebbe insisted on saying a maimah. The doctors were ballistic. The doctors went crazy. It's not humanly possible. It's too strenuous. And the Rebbe begged to be allowed to say the maimah. And the Rebbe said, you have the machinery hooked up to me. You see anything going wrong? You'll stop me. Story has it. I wasn't there. I wasn't in America. I was in South America at the time. But the stories that we were told that the Rebbe began to say the Maima and he flatlined. The EKG went flatlined. But the Rebbe was talking. The Rebbe is talking and the EKG is not working or the machine broke or something's wrong here. It's not registering. There's no movement whatsoever. It's flatlined throughout the Maima. As soon as the Rebbe finished, it went back to the regular. Explain this. It's not our job. It just shows you how the Rebbe, for Chazin Chassidus, for the Rebbe, was his leaven nefesh. His whole life and soul. Chavzai and other became an imprisonment to the Rebbe. It's indescribable. It's indescribable. I hope none of you suffer from claustrophobia like I do. I can tell you, thinking about it, 
I get lose my breath. When I have to go for MRIs into these machines, first time they told me going in there. I said, I didn't do it in Dachau. What are we putting? In, what are you putting me in an oven over here? Are you crazy? You want me in that machine? They put me in. My hand does have to be on top of my chest, and my knuckles were on top. Don't breathe so hard. That was one of the lines. I breathe too hard. You're breathing too heavy. Please breathe shallower. And when I took that deep breath, my knuckles stuck to the ceiling. I couldn't. And me and claustrophobia are not the good friends. Well, we got locked in into the apartment. Oh, he can tell you. Iran was, Iran attests. He was never in MRI with me, but he was with me in a, a, an apartment in Manhattan. We went to see a building, and the door locked. And we could not open the door from the inside. I was ready to jump from the third floor. Iran saved my life. He held me back with all the strength that his army taught him. <laughs> Everything that the Israeli army taught him saved. The only reason he was taught and trained then was to save my life from not tossing myself out the third floor window. And now I'm going to think about it tonight and I wake up and scream and call Iran in the middle of the night to tell him, thank you for reminding me. Because that night I did not sleep. I tossed. I, 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 every time I started closing my eyes, I saw myself locked in that room. For the Rebbe to be constricted in such a way so, as we have Chofhei Oda this week, the Rebbe's birthday, and Chofhei Oda, the Rebbe spoke the first time about celebrating birthdays, and the main point of celebrating birthdays, <coughs> says the Rebbe, is to take to heart and to heed what we have to do. So, to take on a achlata, it's very hard. To take on a resolution, I'm going to do this and this, is almost like losing weight on New Year's. But to give you an example, and we have to learn it from this week's parsha, the Chumash, the Chumash Chumash has been printed over many, many, many years. You have editions for hundreds and hundreds of years, different editions that were, that were printed. At the end of every parsha, they have a very interesting addition. At the end of every parsha, we'll go to parsha's boy for an example. It says Kuf Hei Psukim, 105 Psukim, <coughs> Yimone Simon, the sign, the Siman for the 105 Psukim is Yimone. Look at the end of parsha's Tetzave, because that's also a very common knowledge one. The end of the Tzavah, it says 101 Pesukim, Kuf Aleph Pesukim. And it says, Mechoel Simen. The Ebsha said, Hinishalech Malachi Lefanecha. And Malachi refers to Mechoel. Because Melachi and Mechoel are the same letters. And that's why it's 101 Pesukim, the Pasha. Because Tzavah is the Pasha, Meshur Rabbeinu's name is not mentioned. We turn to Pash Bakuda in a lot of Chumashim and it says there are Tzadik Beis Psukim with no simon. There's no simon. And the Rebbe asked, what happened to the simon? And the Rebbe says, they look back in history of previous Chumashim, early date Chumashim, at the end of Pashas Bakuda, it says Tzadik Beis Psukim, Beli Kol Simon. The word Beli Kol is the simon. 
The Rebbe explains it was once a Bacha Zetzer, the typesetter. And he typeset a Chumash, and he read Tzadik Beis Psukim, Beli called Simon with no Simon, so he left out the Simon. Beli called Simon, there's no Simon. And it was only a Chiddush of the Rebbe, where the Rebbe later explained to everybody the relevance and the importance of being Eizgerechent. Each and everything has to be counted and calculated. And the calculation here involved was just that. And we find such a thing in the Pasha as well. It's a mind-boggling story. The Pasuk tells us all the numbers were being made. And they did all the calculations. Pasuk Lamed Aleph Tera tells us No, 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 no. Not Lamed Aleph. Pasuk Chav Dalit, sorry. It tells about the Zov, how much Zov was, how much silver, how much gold, how much copper. Why is it enumerating everything? Moshe was very concerned the Jews should not, God forbid, stray. Amongst the problems of straying, Rechman al was having doubts in Moshe. Moshe was left in charge of tremendous amounts of gold, silver, and copper here. So Moshe sat down now and took stock, took inventory. The Medrash tells us he stuck, t- took stock with who? Isamar and the Levim. And they started calculating everything that was put in to show, to be able to give out a, week, a uh, quarterly report to all the Klal Yisrael. This is what was invested, this is what was had, and this is what we have used. They found 1,775 shekels silver missing. This is scary. How do you cover 1,775 shekels? Until finally, ultimately, the hooks were all 1,775 shekels. They forgot. There was an oversight. Came a baskal, a voice from heaven, a heavenly voice, and said that these 1775 were in the hooks and everything is in place. Why doesn't it give us the calculation of all the gold? Because once this was done, and everybody heard the heavenly voice saying that the silver was in place in Moshe, it was 100%, they left it alone. So they didn't ask for the calculation of the gold. The truth was though, that the gold was not enough. The donated gold was not enough to do what they needed and Moshe had to add from his own. But they don't bother. Moshe doesn't... Don't worry about it, Kindle. Don't mention it. Don't worry about it. The Italian presidents. And we see another such mishap in the Pasha. Moshe appointed <coughs> a 13-year-old smarkach. Betal. A 13-year-old nephew to do to be in charge of the construction. Why do we call him a smarkach? It's how holy man. 
Because he didn't listen to what he was told. Moshe said, make the kalim and then build the, the Mishkin. And Bitzal said, that makes no sense. There's no house where you're putting the stuff. So he built the Mishkin and then made the kalim. Very, very interesting to note. It says Moshe made the Mishkin and then Vayasu, he did it afterwards. What did Vayasu afterwards? If he did the Mishkin and then he did it, the main part of the Mishkan that was became Mishkan that became a house was the first covering on top of the Mishkan. Then there were many coverings on top of that, but the first one was the main one that made it an integral part of covering. Moshe understood that that had to be done first. How do you hang up the cover without the wall? Leave that to Moshe. Moshe put first the covering and miraculously had that hanging, and then put the Mishkin underneath it. It's like changing the heads in the funeral chapel. <laughs> Don't bother with rechanging the suit, just change the heads. Similarly here with Betzal, Betzal was in a dilemma. I understand what you told me to do, Moshe, but it doesn't, it doesn't work. And the truth being told that Moshe was told by God, make first the Mishkan and then the Kalim. Why did Moshe construe it? Misconstrue the words? Because Moshe wanted to prove to everybody that it was not an issue of nepotism. That it was not an issue of only Bitsal's relative nephew. And that's why he took him in. He told them Bitsal Kale. In the shadow of God is your name. Because you understood that that's how God told me to do it. So Moshe mixed the words around, minced the words of God, in order to prove to everybody that Bitsal was indeed worthy of doing what he did. And, the Pasuk, and throughout the Pasha, interesting, if you want to count it on Shabbos, you can count on Shabbos, in this parish it says, Kashasiva Hashem is Moshe, 18 times. As God commanded Moshe, it be 18 times it's mentioned. 18 is famous appeal number, Today we try to, you know, us fundraisers, try to make an extra buck, so we say, don't give me Chai, give me a Chi. Chi is 28. You never know, not a 10 bucks helps everything. Zakter Chai, because throughout Moshe's life was Kashetziv Hashem is Moshe. He never did anything that wasn't Kashetziv Hashem. That's why it mentions 18 times to show how the entire life was made as such. There was a Tana, his name was Ben Kamtza. We know Kamtza, but Kamtza is a different story. But Kamtza had a different problem, he had an issue. And the people were not happy with him. They were upset with him actually. Because he had a talent that he wouldn't teach. He was able to hold in his hand four pens and write Yudke Vavke in one swoop. Hashem's name, Yudke Vavke, in one movement. Because all four pens would write. One would write Yud, one would write He, one would write Vav, one would write He. What's the reason? The reason is because when you write Yud and K, you have Hashem's name. 
If you write the Vov now, you're over love of erasing God's name. Because Yud Hey Vov is not a, not a name. Until the last Hey is added, you're fixing it. But until you add that last Hey, you've just wiped out God's name, the Yud and the Hey. So they wanted him to teach the talent so nobody should be over this. Where do we see such a concept? Because the Pasik tells us, they made it tzitz, and they wrote. Who's they wrote? They wrote God's holy. Why did it say they wrote? Because they did just that. They took four people and simultaneously they all engraved Yud, K, Vav, and K, everyone together, so it didn't reach to the level of erasing God's name at any point. So therefore, Vayichtubu says in plural, because four people actually wrote it. But in essence, in order to write it, it was only the only way that it could happen. The Mishkin were known as Mishkin Ha'edas. The word Mishkin itself is Lashen Mashkin, a collateral. We'll do the math quickly on Mishkin. Mem is 40, Shin is 340, Chaf is 360, Nun is 410. Right? 50, 410. For 410 years the Mishkin stood. The Mishkin of English, first bias stood. The second bias is Hamishkan. Hamishkan is an extra five. It's 415. You have five letters, it's 420. The second bias, Sheni, was 420. So in essence, it was given as a Mashkan. But it was called Mishkan Ha'edus. What was the testimony? Ha'edus is Gematria, from the very quickly, 479. There were 479 years from when the Mishkan was built until Shlema built the Beis HaMidosh. So for the 479 years, this Mishkan stood as testimony for the house of Hashem. So once again, we have to take stock of the Eskerech numbers, as we say, the account, the account here that counts up each and everything, that nothing is missing, nothing is lacking, the numbers of Moshe Rabbeinu, how the calculations of everything he put in, to show that he was worried what people would say, what people would think, and making sure that everybody understood that everything was done 100% correctly. Taking into account the belief call, showing us how we can't ever, God forbid, do something that's without the proper amount, that's not does not calculate the way it should be. And one more, once more, and more important, to take from Chavzai and other, the Rebbe's approach to everything, as to how each and everything we do has to be done exact, has to be done perfectly, and to take on a haklata, a resolution from this day, of something that we will perfect, that we'll tweak in our Aveda, in our service to Hashem. And we'll say, Chazak, Chazak, and we'll begin as we do this Pasha, Shabbos Mevarchim, which is Shkolim, 
Pasha Shkolem, which represents the Machtus HaShekel that the Eden gave to show that we are only half, and it takes two halves to make one whole Jew, the same way it takes two halves to make one whole shekel, two Yidin have to be worked together, have to work united, in order that we should be able to be the united force that will ultimately bring Mashiach Tzitkenu this very Shabbos, and the other, the Rishchidish, other Sheni, will be Rishchidish, other, in a stronger level than it was even the first other, to an extent that the Simcha will be the Simcha of Tum Levom, of the Simcha Amitiz Vashlema, which will be with the Rebbe Nasidreinu, Mashiach Tzitkenu, with us, Adam Golis.